Part Two, Section Eleven of the Song of the Lark. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shi Pingling. The Song of the Lark by Willa Cyber Cather. Part Two, Section Eleven. Mrs. Kronborg had said that Thea was not to be disturbed on Sunday morning, and she slept until noon. When she came downstairs, the family were just sitting down to dinner. Mr. Kronborg at one end of the long table, Mrs. Kronborg at the other. Anna, stiff and ceremonious, in her summer silk, sat at her father's right, and the boys were strung alone on either side of the table. There was a place left for Thea between her mother and Thor. During the silence which preceded the blessing, Thea felt something uncomfortable in the air. Anna and her older brothers had lowered their eyes when she came in. Mrs. Kronborg nodded cheerfully, and after the blessing, as she began to pour the coffee, turned to her. I expect you had a good time at that dance, Thea. I hope you got your sleep out. High society, that, remarked Charlie, giving the mashed potatoes a vicious swat. Anna's mouth and eyebrows became half-moons. Thea looked across the table at the uncompromising countenances of her older brothers. Why, what's the matter with the Mexicans, she asked, flushing. They don't trouble anybody and they are kind to their families and have good manners. Nice, clean people. Got some style about them. Do you really like that kind, Thea, or do you just pretend to? That's what I like to know. Gus looked at her with pained inquiry, but he at least looked at her. They're just as clean as white people, and they have a perfect right to their own ways. Of course I like them. I don't pretend things. Everybody according to their own taste, remarked Charlie bitterly. Quit crumbing your bread up, Thor. Ain't you learned how to eat yet? Children, children, said Mr. Kronborg nervously, looking up from the chicken he was dismembering. He glanced at his wife, whom he expected to maintain harmony in the family. That's all right, Charlie. Drop it there, said Mrs. Kronborg. No use spoiling your Sunday dinner with race prejudices. The Mexicans suit me and Thea very well. They are a useful people. Now you can just talk about something else. Conversation, however, did not flourish at that dinner. Everybody ate as fast as possible. Charlie and Gus said they had engagements and left the table as soon as they finished their apple pie. Anna sat primly and ate with great elegance. When she spoke at all, she spoke to her father about church matters and always in a commiserating tone, as if he had met with some misfortune. Mr. Kronborg, quite innocent of her intentions, replied kindly and absent-mindedly. After the dessert, he went to take his usual Sunday afternoon nap and Mrs. Kronborg carried some dinner to a sick neighbor. Thea and Anna began to clear the table. 
i should think you would show more consideration for father's position thea anna began as soon as she and her sister were alone thea gave her a sidelong glance why what have i done to father everybody at sunday school was talking about you going over there and singing with the mexicans all night when you won't sing for the church somebody hurt you and told it all over town of course we all get the blame for it anything disgraceful about singing thea asked with a provoking yawn i must say you choose your company you always had that streak in you thea we all hope that going away would improve you of course it reflects on father when you are scarcely polite to the nice people here and make up to the rowdies oh it's my singing with the mexicans you object to thea put down a tray full of dishes well i like to sing over there and i don't like to over here i'll sing for them any time they ask me to they know something about what i'm doing they are talented people talented anna made the word sound like escaping steam i suppose you think it's smart to come home and throw that at your family thea picked up the tray by this time she was as white as the sunday tablecloth well she replied in a cold even tone i'll have to throw it at them sooner or later it's just a question of when and it might as well be now as any time she carried the tray blindly into the kitchen tilly who was always listening and looking out for her took the dishes from her with a furtive frightened glance at her stony face thea went slowly up the back stairs to her loft her legs seemed as heavy as lead as she climbed the stairs and she felt as if everything inside her had solidified and grown hard after shutting her door and locking it she sat down on the edge of her bed this place had always been her refuge but there was a hostility in the house now which this door could not shut out this would be her last summer in that room its services were over its time was done she rose and put her hand on the low ceiling two tears ran down her cheeks as if they came from ice that melted slowly she was not ready to leave her little shell she was being pulled out too soon she would never be able to think anywhere else as well as here she would never sleep so well or have such dreams in any other bed even last night such sweet breathless dreams thea hid her face in the pillow wherever she went she would like to take that little bed with her when she went away from it for good she would leave something that she could never recover memories of pleasant excitement of happy adventures in her mind of warm sleep on howling winter nights and joyous awakenings on summer mornings there were certain dreams that might refuse to come to her at all except in a little morning cave facing the sun where they came to her so powerfully where they beat a triumph in her the room was hot as an oven the sun was beating fiercely on the shingles behind the board ceiling she undressed and before she threw herself upon her bed in her chemise she frowned at herself for a long while in her looking-glass yes 
she and it must fight it out together the thing that looked at her out of her own eyes was the only friend she could count on oh she would make these people sorry enough there would come a time when they would want to make it up with her but never again she had no little vanities only one big one and she would never forgive her mother was all right but her mother was a part of the family and she was not in the nature of things her mother had to be on both sides thea felt that she had been betrayed a truce had been broken behind her back she had never had much individual affection for any of her brothers except thor but she had never been disloyal never felt scorn or held grudges as a little girl she had always been good friends with gunner and axel whenever she had time to play even before she got her own room when they were all sleeping and dressing together like little cubs and breakfasting in the kitchen she had led an absorbing personal life of her own but she had a cup loyalty to the other cups she thought them nice boys and tried to make them get their lessons she once fought a bully who picked on axel at school she never made fun of anna's crimpings and curlings and beauty rights thea had always taken it for granted that her sister and brothers recognized that she had special abilities and that they were proud of it she had done them the honor she told herself bitterly to believe that though they had no particular endowments they were of her kind and not of the moonstone kind now they had all grown up and become persons they faced each other as individuals and she saw that anna and gus and charlie were among the people whom she had always recognized as her natural enemies their ambitions and sacred proprieties were meaningless to her she had neglected to congratulate charlie upon having been promoted from the grocery department of cummings store to the dry goods department her mother had reproved her for this omission and how was she to know thea asked herself that anna expected to be teased because bert rice now came and sat in the hammock with her every night no it was all clear enough nothing that she would ever do in the world would seem important to them and nothing they would ever do would seem important to her thea lay thinking intently all through the stifling afternoon tilly whispered something outside her door once but she did not answer she lay on her bed until the second church bell rang and she saw the family go trooping up the sidewalk on the opposite side of the street anna and her father in the lead anna seems to have taken on a very storybook attitude toward her father patronizing and condescending it seemed to thea the older boys were not in the family band they now took their girls to church tilly had stayed at home to get supper thea got up washed her hot face and arms and put on the white organdy dress she had worn last night it was getting too small for her and she might as well wear it out after she was dressed she unlocked her door and went cautiously downstairs she felt as if chilling hostilities might be awaiting her in a trunk loft on the stairway almost anywhere in the dining-room she found tilly 
sitting by the open window reading the dramatic news in a denver sunday paper tilly kept a scrapbook in which she pasted clippings about actors and actresses come look at this picture of pauline hall in tights thea she called ain't she cute it's too bad you didn't go to the theatre more when you was in chicago such a good chance didn't you even get to see clara morris or matieska no i didn't have time besides it cost money tilly thea replied wearily glancing at the paper tilly held out to her tilly looked up at her niece don't you go and be upset about any of anna's notions she is one of these narrow kind your father and mother don't pay any attention to what she says anna's fussy she is with me but i don't mind her oh i don't mind her that's all right tilly i guess i'll take the walk thea knew that tilly hoped she would stay and talk to her for a while and she would have liked to please her but in a house as small as that one everything was too intimate and mixed up together the family was the family an integral thing one couldn't discuss anna there she felt differently toward the house and everything in it as if the battered old furniture that seemed so kindly and the old carpets on which she had played had been nourishing a secret grudge against her and were not to be trusted any more she went aimlessly out of the front gate not knowing what to do with herself mexican town somehow was spoiled for her just then and she felt that she would hide if she saw silvo or felipe coming toward her she walked down through the empty main street all the stores were closed their blinds down on the steps of the bank some idle boys were sitting telling disgusting stories because there was nothing else to do several of them had gone to school with thea but when she nodded to them they hung their heads and did not speak thea's body was often curiously expressive of what was going on in her mind and to-night there was something in her walk and carriage that made these boys feel that she was stuck up if she had stopped and talked to them they would have thawed out on the instant and would have been friendly and grateful but thea was hurt afresh and walked on holding her chin higher than ever as she passed the duke block she saw a light in dr archie's office and she went up the stairs and opened the door into his study she found him with a pile of papers and account books before him he pointed her to her old chair at the end of his desk and leaned back in his own looking at her with satisfaction how handsome she was growing i'm still chasing the elusive metal thea he pointed to the papers before him i'm up to my neck in mines and i'm going to be a rich man some day i hope you will awfully rich that's the only thing that counts she looked restlessly about the consulting room to do any of the things one wants to do one has to have lots and lots of money dr archie was direct what's the matter do you need some thea shrugged oh i can get alone in a little way she looked intently out of the window at the arc street lamp that was just beginning to sputter but it's silly to live at all for little things she added quietly 
living's too much trouble unless one can get something big out of it dr archie rested his elbows on the arms of his chair dropped his chin on his clasped hands and looked at her living is no trouble for little people believe me he exclaimed what do you want to get out of it oh so many things thea shivered but what money you mentioned that well you can make money if you care about that more than anything else he nodded prophetically above his interlacing fingers but i don't that's only one thing anyhow i couldn't if i did she pulled her dress lower at the neck as if she were suffocating i only want impossible things she said roughly the others don't interest me dr archie watched her contemplatively as if she were a beaker full of chemicals working a few years ago when she used to sit there the light from under his green lampshade used to fall full upon her broad face and yellow pigtails now her face was in the shadow and the line of light fell below her bare throat directly across her bosom the shrunken white organdy rose and fell as if she were struggling to be free and to break out of it altogether he felt that her heart must be laboring heavily in there but he was afraid to touch her he was indeed he had never seen her like this before her hair piled high on her head gave her a commanding look and her eyes that used to be so inquisitive were stormy thea he said slowly i won't say that you can have everything you want that means having nothing in reality but if you decide what it is you want most you can get it his eyes caught hers for a moment not everybody can but you can only if you want a big thing you've got to have nerve enough to cut out all that's easy everything that's to be had cheap dr archie paused he picked up a paper cutter and feeling the edge of it softly with his fingers he added slowly as if to himself he either fears his fate too much or his deserts are small who dares not put it to the touch to win or lose it all thea's lips parted she looked at him from under a frown searching his face do you mean to break loose too and do something she asked in a low voice i mean to get rich if you call that doing anything i've found what i can do without you make such bargains in your mind first thea sprang up and took the paper cutter he had put down twisting it in her hands a long while first sometimes she said with a short laugh but suppose one can never get out what they've got in them suppose they make a mess of it in the end then what she threw the paper cutter on the desk and took a step toward the doctor until her dress touched him she stood looking down at him oh it's easy to fail she was breathing through her mouth and her throat was throbbing with excitement as he looked up at her dr archie's hands tightened on the arms of his chair he had thought he knew thea kronborg pretty well but he did not know the girl who was standing there she was beautiful as his little swede had never been but she frightened him her pale cheeks her parted lips 
her flashing eyes seemed suddenly to mean one thing he did not know what a light seemed to break upon her from far away or perhaps from far within she seemed to grow taller like a scarf drawn out long looked as if she were pursued and fleeing and yes she looked tormented it's easy to fail he heard her say again and if i fail you'd better forget about me for i'll be one of the worst women that ever lived i'll be an awful woman in the shadowy light above the lampshade he caught her glance again and held it for a moment wild as her eyes were that yellow gleam at the back of them was as hard as a diamond drill point he rose with a nervous laugh and dropped his hand lightly on her shoulder no you won't you'll be a splendid one she shook him off before he could say anything more and went out of his door with a kind of bound she left so quickly and so lightly that he could not even hear her footstep in the hallway outside archie dropped back into his chair and sat motionless for a long while so it went one loved a quaint little girl cheerful industrious always on the run and hustling through her tasks and suddenly one lost her he had thought he knew that child like the glove on his hand but about this tall girl who threw up her head and glittered like that all over he knew nothing she was goaded by desires ambitions revulsions that were dark to him one thing he knew the old high road of life worn safe and easy hugging the sunny slopes would scarcely hold her again after that night thea could have asked pretty much anything of him he could have refused her nothing years ago a crafty little bunch of hair and smiles had shown him what she wanted and he had promptly married her to-night a very different sort of girl driven wild by doubts and youth by poverty and riches had let him see the fierceness of her nature she went out still distraught not knowing or caring what she had shown him but to archie knowledge of that sort was obligation oh he was the same old howard archie that sunday in july was the turning point thea's peace of mind did not come back she found it hard even to practice at home there was something in the air there that froze her throat in the morning she walked as far as she could walk in the hot afternoons she lay on her bed in her nightgown planning fiercely she hounded the post office she must have worn the path in the sidewalk that led to the post office that summer she was there the moment the mail sacks came up from the depot morning and evening and while the letters were being sorted and distributed she paced up and down outside under the cottonwood trees listening to the thump 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 of mr thompson's stamp she hung upon any sort of word from chicago a card from bowers a letter from mrs hassani from mr lawson from her landlady anything to reassure her that chicago was still there she began to feel the same restlessness that had tortured her the last spring when she was teaching in moonstone suppose she never got away again after all suppose one broke a leg and had to lie in bed at home for weeks 
or had pneumonia and died there the desert was so big and thirsty if one's foot slipped it could drink one up like a drop of water this time when thea left moonstone to go back to chicago she went alone as the train pulled out she looked back at her mother and father and thor they were calm and cheerful they did not know they did not understand something pulled in her and broke she cried all the way to denver and that night in her berth she kept sobbing and waking herself but when the sun rose in the morning she was far away it was all behind her and she knew that she would never cry like that again people live through such pain only once pain comes again but it finds a tougher surface thea remembered how she had gone away the first time with what confidence in everything and what pitiful ignorance such a silly she felt resentful toward the stupid good-natured child how much older she was now and how much harder she was going away to fight and she was going away forever end of part two section eleven recording by shi ping ling